There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Where to Go. I'm James Atkinson, Senior Brand Manager at DKI Witness. And I'm Alex Pathé, Editor at DKI Witness. And welcome to Where to Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with the people who know those places best. And welcome, Alex. You've been on the podcast before, but this is your first time hosting, right? Hello, James. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm on the other side of the conversation this time. I've been on as a guest, but yeah, never hosted. So it's great to be here. Now you have all the power. Now you, have, now, <laughs> yeah. now you ask the questions. You can For be sure. really, really mean. I think you know this, James, but I was a long term listener of the podcast before I even joined DK. So it feels like a bit of a dream to be actually hosting. So yeah, I- great didn't really know that well I've wanted you to host the podcast for quite a long time now and thank you obviously we are in this is the final episode of the season as well so we're leading towards a time when we might be coming back without me or Lucy so there may may be some hosting changes at the start of next season don't worry listeners me and Lucy aren't going away forever we're just going (laughs) away to separately have children (laughs) but yeah it's brilliant to have you on Alex and do you know where we are going today I do indeed it's such an exciting episode to be hosting for the first time so we're going to Ireland today and specifically the island of Ireland as well so including the north and we've actually had like quite a bit of a Irish Focus, we went to Dublin a couple of seasons ago, during the first season, in fact, with Nicola Brady. And because Nicola's so brilliant at talking about all things Ireland, she's coming back, so she's going to take us through the entire island of Ireland. So really, really excited about that. But Alex, I wanted to know, have you got any sort of editorial experience working with uh, Our Island books at the minute at TK? I have edited a little bit of Our Eyewitness Guide to Ireland, Mm -hmm. but I've also recently edited some of Screen Traveller's Guide, which has just been published. Uh, So it's published in September of this year. And we mention Northern Ireland in that because we talk about uh, Game of Thrones and like quite a bit of Game of Thrones was filmed in Northern Ireland. Mm. Obviously, the landscapes there are so beautiful. So it's got such a rich cinematic history. So not only has, you know, films been set within Ireland, the landscapes have also passed for fantasy lands because they're just so wonderful and surreal and gorgeous. So, yeah, it was a a privilege to work on that. Super otherworldly. And maybe we'll even touch on a little bit of that. I know, obviously, there's Banshees of Inishiran as well. And the scenery of that is amazing. 
amazing. So really love to pick Nicola's brains on that one. So yeah, should we get to it and introduce our guest? Let's do it. Returning guest and friend of the pod, Nicola Brady, is an award-winning travel writer who's contributed to DKI Witness, The Irish Independent, CNN Travel, Condé Nast Traveller, and many, many more. So welcome back, Nicola. Thanks so much for having me again. Great to have you here, Nicola. It's been a few years. Yeah. Quite a bit has changed since you were last on. I think it's almost three years ago. Almost three years, yeah. It was December, I think, we were chatting. So, <sighs> God, it's flown. Wow. Yeah. I know. Um, very excited to have you back on the yeah, pod. Yeah, can't wait. So as usual, we're going to begin with learning a little bit more about our guest Nicola, followed by her all-important recommendations of where to go and insider knowledge of Ireland. Then we'll hear about the best time to visit and how to support the locals. So Nicola, how's life in Dublin since we last spoke? Life's great. I mean, it's changed a lot since we last spoke, thank goodness. Yes. Uh, But things are fantastic right now. So it's, where are we? Towards the end, middle of September. And it's just the perfect time in Dublin that I love. Like the leaves are starting to turn. The summer crowds have started to go. And it's just the dream. Mm. It's just the best time. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And how are things with you in Dublin as well? Like, have you had a busy few years? Busy few years. And I've been doing a lot of travel within Ireland over the last couple of years as well. So that's been great because I would have thought that I'd have seen quite a lot of the country. And just each yeah. time I'm on the road, I just see more and more and discover places that I hadn't been to before. And for quite a small country, I think that's quite impressive. Have there been any sort of undiscovered highlights recently, Nicola, on your travels? Anywhere you haven't been that you've just, that's been worth exploring? There have been a lot of places in and around Kilkenny. I had actually only spent a few hours in Kilkenny before and had judged it previously because it was raining the entire time and I was in (laughs) such a grouch that I really like equated those two things (laughs) in my head but saw a lot more of the countryside around there as well which is just beautiful and some great hiking there. Sounds amazing, sounds beautiful. So this kind of ties in quite nicely Nicola because today we're not just talking about Dublin are we, we're talking about the whole of Ireland. So just for a little bit of if listeners hadn't listened to the previous episode with you on you've also lived in Sligo as well as well as Dublin Uh, how long have you lived in Ireland for now oh my god I think it's 16 years so I moved over sort of straight after uni and I first lived on a little island off the west coast called Clare Island um, Mm. and was there for a few months and then went to Sligo which is on the northwest coast of Ireland yeah and I was there for a good long while in sort of Leitrim and Sligo which is just beautiful I just love it there the Mm. coastline of Sligo is incredible it's a great place for big wave surfing as well not that I did that but (laughs) (laughs) cool to have people doing it in my vicinity and then just the lake lands that are there and the forest it's just stunning and then moved to Dublin maybe six years ago I think and I've been in Dublin ever since so yeah and before we kind of get into it are there any other areas of Ireland that you particularly love that you just want to shout out before we get into our recommendations? So I I really love Mayo as well. I focus quite a lot on the northwest of Ireland. So I was Sligo and then above that you've got Donegal and then below Mm. that you've got Mayo. And I think those three counties in terms of the the scenery and the beaches and just what they have to offer, I think it's just some of the most incredible land on the whole island of Ireland. And I think a lot of other places, particularly in the summer months, if you go to sort of Kerry and Connemara and they're beautiful, but really crowded, you can still go up to Donegal in peak season 
and go on a hike and feel like you're the only person in the world. Like I did that this summer. I was working on a project and went up there. And actually what's interesting about that is the project was around public transport. And when I lived in Sligo, it was Ah. pretty much non-existent. And now Mm. those three counties have like the local links bus service. So you can see a lot more on public transport now, which I love. But there's one incredible beach and it's a... About a 30 minute hike to get there in Donegal called Tremor. And you hike through the dunes. And during the hike, we were just absolutely pelted by torrential rain. Like, you know, and you can't see in front of you. And there was no discernible footpath. And you just had to sort of hunker down. But by the time we got to the beach, the rain had stopped. And it was just incredible. There was one other guy walking on the beach, but otherwise, you'd have it to yourself. Wow. Sounds, sounds wonderful. Yeah. And hopefully it hasn't been a completely rainy summer, right? Um, yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> it's been a washout. I'm really? such a grouch yes. about it. But we did just have a little, like a week of summer, um, a couple of weeks mm. ago. So actually just over a week ago, um, we had a beautiful day and I took myself out to Hoth. That's a little fishing village um, that's 30 minutes on the train outside of Dublin and it's just beautiful there's a gorgeous cliff walk that you can do but there's also like a tiny little stony bay and I yeah that day I opened my laptop started work and then I was like do you know what no it's sunny it's warm I'm going to the beach for the day and yeah that's what I did and some guys on sup boards came in with their dogs on the end of the sup board and yeah it was just beautiful that sounds brilliant well let's uh (laughs) let's move on to some of your recommendations okay So to kick things off, we're going to ask you to give us a quickfire tour of Ireland. So we're going to name a few categories and you just have to suggest one thing to do. Uh, Are you ready? I think so. I might get super (laughs) aggressive with my answers when you say quickfire and I'm like, right, I'm going to (laughs) win. I'll keep myself in check. So first things first, Nicola, your favourite view. Okay, favourite view is a place called Lockgill. And it's in County Leitrim. It borders Leitrim and Sligo. You climb up to a viewing point called O'Rourke's Table. And you just have this beautiful, flat, calm lake in front of you, the Sligo coast behind, and then all of the mountains sort of interloping in. Oh, perfect. Wow. Very, very efficient. Great start, Nicola. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the one that usually sends people off. So your favourite thing to eat in Ireland Okay, that's an easy one. And it's native lobster. Okay. Irish lobster is just, I think, the best in the world. And their oysters as well. But that's also what I did when I was in Hoth last week. And I was like treating myself for the one day of summer. The the local lobster in Hoth is incredible. But also, I don't want to keep hopping on about Sligo. But Sligo lobster is incredible. They're smaller. They're so sweet. And yeah, just beautiful with lots of salty butter like garlic butter. I was going to say, has to, has to be butter, right? Absolutely. Great. Sounds utterly delicious. So following on from that, Nicola, if you had to pick one thing to drink. I'm not going to say a pint. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> it's too on the nose. But I will say a an Irish gin and tonic. So one in particular is gunpowder. Mm. That's that sort of, you've probably seen it. They have it everywhere now. It's a turquoise, a turquoise bottle and it's made in a tiny distillery in Leitrim. And it's kind of astonishing how it's just gone all around the world. And it's just the most beautiful gin. So yeah, G&T. I had no idea. I think we might even have a bottle of it, but I didn't realise it was Irish. Yeah. And it's, yeah, sort of like a ridged bottle. But yeah, you see, I see it now all over the world in the best bars and it's so good. Fantastic. 
Okay, so and very novel. You didn't you didn't succumb to the pints. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about pints in a second. Okay. So your favorite day activity, how would you spend your perfect day? I would go kayaking. Oh. And there are so many places around Islandstead. You can go in Dorky and go to the little island where there are lots of seals. There's a lake in Cork. And actually now we're getting into the perfect season for that because it has loads of bioluminescence in the water. So you go night kayaking, Lockhine, that's the name. And you set off just as the sun is setting and then your paddle is moving through the water and you just get that sparkle of light from the bioluminescence. And it's incredible. Wow. So, yeah. That does. That sounds magical. And so moving indoors, Nicola, if you had to pick your favourite museum or gallery in Ireland. So it's tricky. Oh, now because I want to say several. But in Dublin, <laughs> the Hugh Lane Gallery or the National Gallery of Ireland. But also I recently revisited, they've done a massive job on Titanic Belfast. And mm. I think what they've done now is fantastic because it was it was always a very effective interactive experience and it's in the shipyard where the titanic mm. was built so they always like to say mm. she was fine when she left here but they've just <laughs> added i think three new exhibitions at the end and what's great is that they focus on the actual sinking which was kind of not glossed over before but it wasn't talked about as much and they have a beautiful it's like a massive memorial wall with all of the names of the people who were on the ship and who perished and who survived and it's just really well done and i think that's an incredible museum i've heard really good things and um also very much recommend the Hugh Lane gallery we spoke about it the last time <laughs> i think we did yeah yeah absolutely because <laughs> it's the francis bacon gallery that's the it is yeah and it's got yeah. this incredible workshop in it as well That's yeah so, so they they moved francis bacon's art studio over from london meticulously catalogued the entire space and replicated it in dublin as it was in london it's a complete mess it's covered they they kept all of the dust that was on the empty champagne bottles and the dirty paintbrushes and the used easels so oh. it's incredible to see but I always want to break in and tidy it up. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah they, they did it so meticulously that it's like to the millimetre of like how his paintbrush was like sprayed on a... Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's the closest you'll ever get to sort of seeing a master in his studio, really. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, the instinct to tidy up is pretty, it's pretty it's strong so too. so strong, yeah. <laughs> They also do the live concerts on Sundays at noon that are free as well. And that's not in the studio, in the gallery itself, because it's a beautiful yeah. space. But yeah, that's a great one. Well, I'm, I'm completely waylaying your fantastic, perfect uh, quickfire run. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I know, I know. So we, you know, you almost had it done in two minutes or so. And yet, Failed. I sabotaged it. No, that was, that was fantastic. A real brilliant introduction to Ireland. And now we're going to open it up a little bit more. So okay. Ireland scenery is obviously one of its greatest attractions. What are some sort of scenic highlights if you're sort of doing a road trip around Ireland that you you just can't really miss? I mean, the main focus, I think, for a lot of people is the coastline. And that's completely justified. The west coast of Ireland has some of the most incredible beaches. And so the Wild Atlantic Way, I think it's 1500 miles. So it's a drive all down the west coast. Now, it's not a sort of a specified, it's not coastal all of the way. You go on little country mm. roads and you go through tiny villages and you can do a little stretch of it or a long stretch but all along the way there is just incredible scenery but as part of that 
there are lots of islands on the west coast and obviously that's where I lived when I first came over mm. but there's loads of tiny little ones so in Clue Bay you have Ackle Island that's a larger island and you can drive there there's like a little causeway that goes over but you can also cycle on the greenway going from the town of Westport all the way out and you just get the most beautiful scenery along the way <sighs> and then pretty close by just a little further down the coast you have the Aran Islands so there are three mm. and the smallest I believe it's the smallest is Inishia and that's one of my favorite places it's teeny tiny there's a, a beautiful white sand bay where you land in one of my favorite sort of characters in Ireland is a dolphin who lives there called Dusty and she swims into that bay most days and I think because dolphins have had such amazing PR over the years people get so excited and they go into the water and Dusty just beats them relentlessly. She like she knocks cameras out of people's hands. She gets really violent. There are warning signs all over that are like, don't, don't talk to Dusty. Don't look at Dusty. Definitely don't go in the water. And she does like a tail smackdown. It's it's pretty bad. But I love, I love that she's like, She's yeah. like the most hostile form of local. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I've had a flipper. What of it? And just like relentlessly goes for people. And it, yeah, it's such a, such a cool little island. They also have their own beer called Inish Beer. And there's a the man of Aaron fudge. He makes the most beautiful fudge and he has a little hut on the beach. And it's just beautiful. Oh, that sounds incredible. I'm desperate to meet Dusty the Dolphin. I think that has to be the best introduction to a local I've heard on the show. That's amazing. There used to be. Wow. Like there used to be a dolphin. I need to be careful because he was beloved, but he lived in Dingle and his name was Fungi. And he, I mean, suspiciously lived for a very long time. But I think right. he sort of disappeared. And it was during COVID years as well. And it's like, oh, the last bit of news that we needed was like beloved Irish dolphin gone. At least there's another (laughs) beloved Irish dolphin who might be a little bit violent. I'm campaigning for her to take his part. I was going to say with the Iron Islands, though, those have become quite famous very recently because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the sort of the Banshees of Inishirin is sort of, it's not, it's not an exact island, is it? I think, yeah, it's an amalgamation. So they filmed, they filmed that on Inishmore, which is one of the Iron Islands, mm. and also Ackle. Mm. So they recreated places. So say the the beach where um, Brendan Gleeson's cottage is, that's Keen yeah. Bay in Ackle. Mm. It's just a beautiful beach. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure they used a lot of Inishmore settings as well. Because the scenery of that film, I mean, it's it's quite a black comic film and, and quite sort of disturbing in some ways. But then the scenery is an extra character. It's just incredible. It really is, yeah. One of the best characters, some may say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely might say that. But yeah, it looks beautiful. And so they, I think they've experienced a bit of that that tourism bounce and people have set up sort of, they've built a little pub to look like the one that's in the movie. Mm. Oh, really? Because, yeah, because sadly, like it would be incredible if those places did, and the landscapes do exist like that, but not the, like the cottages and the pub that looked out over it. They weren't precisely there. But there is a tiny little pub on Ackle Island that I adore and the name has completely gone, but it's halfway up a mountain. It's the size of someone's tiny living room and it's just the most beautiful little pub. So that would be a similar place that's not in the exact same setting, but has a sort of the same ethos. Cool. 
Amazing. Hopefully we won't be sending too many people. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other place in in terms of scenery, and it's something I'd seen a lot of before, but explored more of it this year is the Burren. And it's actually not so far from that neck of the woods. You sort of travel a bit through the Burren when you're going to the Aran Islands, Mm. but Mm. it's just the most mind-boggling landscape. It's all this sort of, not cracked limestone, but it looks almost like sheets of lava that have these just really deep crevices in them. And it's huge sheets of rock and it looks so barren when you first clap eyes on it, but it's actually incredibly lush. And there are these tiny little wildflowers that are growing up in between the cracks. And I did a great hike there this year And you see there are like these little wild roses and wild orchids. And it does look like prime ankle-breaking territory is what I'd say. You really need to watch your fishing because these cracks are just there. But it's like like no landscape I've ever seen and just absolutely stunning. Wow. And that kind of goes into the the Cliffs of Moher, which I'd seen once before, but I did a, a much longer hike. And I think it, the Cliffs of Moher, it's one of those places that a lot of people go to when they come to Ireland. But 97% of people just come to sort of the visitor center, walk a little bit around there and then go back. But there's actually, a, I think yep. it's like a 15 kilometer long hike that you can do all along the top of the cliffs. And it's just remarkable. Like it's, it's just the most incredible landscape again the way you're describing this just sounds so beautiful if i was desperate to go to ireland before the podcast i'm now it's top of my list i'm really desperate to go <laughs> come on over <laughs> yeah, yeah. so for listeners who'd love to explore a bit more of ireland's history and culture do you have any recommendations for where they should head i think connemara is amazing for that mm. and you get a lot of a lot of that old culture just from going to the little villages there and so many look as they would have done you know 100 200 years ago beautiful little um like thatched cottages and country stores and just super super old and the people you can get chatting to can teach you so much but mm. there are there are areas there where yeah things just haven't changed in a long time and as well so there are a few different Gwaltocks in Ireland there's what like one in Donegal one in Mayo and it's just these Irish speaking communities so as soon as you go in all of the signs are in Irish whereas elsewhere in Ireland you get both languages mm-hmm. especially the ones in County Mayo and all around the sort of Balmollet Peninsula. I think that's amazing. And also in Mayo, there's the National Museum of Country Life, which is really fascinating. It's just outside of Castle Bar. So there are four branches of the National Museum and three are in Dublin. And this one is in Mayo. And it's a really great introduction to the last few hundred years of life in Ireland. Cool. And in terms of one of the things that I'm most interested in about like Irish music and trad sort of pubs as well, is there anywhere in particular that would be worthwhile going to visit to see one of those? I mean, there are so many pubs for trad all over. Sorry, sorry not just one of them. It's a whole <laughs> community. <laughs> Terrible question. What am I doing? <laughs> no, but what I mean is like when you're in the countryside, you're pretty much guaranteed to have a pub that's doing trad Mm. at some point. So there are particular, like you'd get a lot of it in Kerry and in Connemara as well, but pretty much wherever you go, you'll stumble upon a trad session. There are certain rules I was, <laughs> that yeah. sounded really intense like I was in Scream but there are very set rules that you know people can't just join in a trad session. There's kind of a hierarchy of who is there. You shouldn't really be talking over them. It's kind of like 
what's the the bluebird cafe in nashville where you have these uh the waitresses that say it's songwriters cafe and they actively come over and shush people yeah which i loved yeah it's a little bit like that so yeah you can't just sort of wander in and join in it's very much like there's a little collective of musicians now some are more Mm -hmm. inclusive for people joining and then there's one there's the, the cobblestone in dublin is one of the best trad music pubs in ireland but they do little i could be completely wrong on this but i'm pretty sure they do like classes for people as well so you can do a little class in the back and then come and join in oh interesting sort of feel like it's one of those things that's kind of pastiched like around the world and actually like everyone mm-hmm. everyone's obviously been to an irish pub and or an irish pub in inverted commas and everyone's seen like a kind of irish folk night or something but actually it's very yeah. very different when you're actually over there and it's very you know it's it's serious right yeah just sort of serious old fellas sat all around a table and often they're like paid in pints so you see the barman just keeps bringing them out but yeah it's a real the real look of focus on their faces and they're serious about what they're doing you know it's not like a sort of a hoolie or something it's okay we're playing music together and that kind of nicely leads me on to my next question which is the sort of Irish are famed for like the sort of their friendliness, their charm. Mm. What's the best sort of way to experience some Irish hospitality? I think honestly, just being open to chat at any opportunity is what will endear you to any Irish person. You know, you get chatting to someone at the bar or in a cafe or anywhere and then suddenly you'll have like a long list of, you know, a great place to go to get like a a great little bakery or a great walk or a great hike or something there's just chats wherever you go and I think if you're open to that then you'll just instantly be charmed I mean how much of a sort of myth created from outside of Ireland is the idea of like crack or the Irish sort of sense of humor as well (laughs) is it kind of I mean I there's a lot of truth to that And I think, yeah, a lot of it is just being open to someone just, what's a nicer way of someone like ripping into you? (laughs) (laughs) Of being ready to take it. Yeah, you have to be open to that kind of humor and to see the humor in everything as well, you know? Like my friend had a great attitude. We went on a night hike years ago in Ben Bulbin in Sligo Mm. and it's, it was horrendous from start to finish. The rain was so torrential. It was led by Mountain Rescue. So we knew we were safe, but the conditions just couldn't have been any worse. And we were all in great spirits though, but she was like, God, it's something like that. Just even when it's pure misery, you're still enjoying it. Yeah. And it's a bit of that like, yeah, don't complain. Just get on with it and sort of find the fun in something, you know, and don't take life too seriously. I think that's what it boils down to as well. Lovely. That seems like a very fundamentally kind of Irish characteristic, doesn't it? Just to kind of grin and get on with it. Yeah, uh, that's I've been an amazing foray through Ireland. I was just my final question, Nicola, in this section was, um, do you have any sort of lesser known gems that you could recommend that you haven't sort of spoken about already? I think Cavan. So Cavan is in the sort of the Midlands of Ireland and borders mm. Manor, which is in the north. I think it's been an mm-hmm. overlooked county for a long time. Okay. And there are some beautiful lakelands there. So one of my favourite places in Ireland is Cabu that's in the Killikeen Forest Park. So there are all of these old like log cabins in the woods and they've done them up. And they're really spread out throughout the forest, but it's right on the lake shore. And you're just in this, in among all of this native woodland and beautiful bird life. And then the the islands on that lake so you can rent a little boat like a motorized boat 
and go around them or you can go on kayak or on a stand-up paddleboard but there are these tiny little lake aisles and one of them oh clockocter i think it's called and there's a, the crumbling remains of a castle so you can just sort of park up your kayak go and explore it and it's completely overgrown and obviously there's no roof or anything but there are so many little islands like that where you can just pitch up and it's such a such an extraordinary lake and it has so much around the periphery as well but I think that's one of the places that people often go to the coast or they go to the cities and inland the sort of the heartlands of Ireland there's so much to see as well great stuff okay well amazing array of recommendations there Nicola let's move on to explore a little bit of the present and future of Ireland Hello Where To Go listeners, it's James here. It's coming up to Christmas and what greater gift could there possibly be than the promise of future adventures? So we've teamed up with our friends at WH Smith for a very special offer. Until the 7th of January, you can get 20% off any Decal Witness travel guide, including all of our Eyewitness, Top 10 and Like a Local guides. To claim your discount online, simply go to whsmith.co.uk, choose your book and enter the code Eyewitness20. And in any high street store, visit the link in our episode bio and show the QR code at the checkout. Offer excludes delivery costs, excludes stores at airports, railway stations, motorway service stations, hospitals, garden centres and workplaces and books by WH Smith at Selfridges, Harrods, Phoenix and Arnott's. Full T's and C's available at whsmith.co.uk forward slash terms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, Nicola, I think you've alluded to this slightly before, but... When's the best time to visit Ireland? Honestly, it's right now. September to November. The scenery is just so beautiful. And I'm looking outside. And you know when you have those autumnal skies, it's that really deep, bright blue. And the sort Mm. of crispness to the air. And the fires are starting to be lit. You'll go into the pub and there's like the turf smouldering on the fire. Things have quietened down. I think in terms of the entire country, it's just the best time to go. Mm. And May as well. May is a beautiful month. And that's when we often get the first sort of little flush of summer. But Actual summer itself, July and August, I would say is the worst possible time. Is that just purely because it gets so busy? So busy. Now, maybe I'm just being grumpy because it's just come to the end of summer in Dublin. (laughs) It's been a particularly busy year. We've still got the sort of, the backlog is clearing of people who delayed trips. So obviously that's happening. But I think, yeah, I live in a part of the city between like Christchurch Cathedral and like a a lot of famous sites. So it's just sort of clogged. So that's why I'm grumpy. But also it's it's a cheaper time to come. As soon as you get into September, October, November, you get such amazing hotel deals. It's easier to get a table in restaurants and just, yeah, just the weather, I think is the absolute best. 
Yeah, yeah, you're not quite getting... I know we've talked about rain, but it's not <laughs> rainy all the time, right? It's no, sunny, And you've no. still got enough, enough like, little bits of sun to just come through as well at this time of yeah. year, right? Yeah, and yeah, often, I mean, the forecast isn't great for the week, but this is often the best time for weather. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it's so easy to bemoan the end of summer, but actually that sort of slow autumnal shift when our patterns start changing and you just want to kind of get cozy inside. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Ireland is so good for that coziness as well. You know, you can do such beautiful hikes and then just go somewhere and get cozy afterwards. And there's there's a particular building in Dublin on Stephen's Green that I adore at this time of year because the whole, the whole facade is covered in ivy, but the colours shift. I don't know exactly what kind of mm. ivy it is, but it's like an ombre of deep purple to wow. deep red. And it's just the most beautiful sight. And then Stevens Green is a small park, but the leaves all turn there. And it's just it's just so beautiful this time of year. Does that um, island really get like a kind of full foliage kind of vibe at this time of year as well? For sure, yeah. And yeah. I've actually been writing about that this week. There are some beautiful places to see it, especially around the lakes, all of the mountains and the lakes and up in Glenvey and Donegal. It just, the landscape there really suits autumn. Because there are a lot of those colours anyway in the like in the heather and the bracken um, and those mm. mosses. It's just it suits the autumnal sky, I think. All right. Well, but I think this episode's going out in like <laughs> in a few months' time. So <laughs> listen, go, go to okay, her. Wait, December is the perfect name. December's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean it's in a... reverse as well. April and May, if you're planning, yep. if you're looking forward. April and May are often beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember going to Dublin in April and yeah, the colours were just about sort of changing back almost and the lights yeah. coming up. And- yeah, the leaves are coming out and you've got blossoms. There's um, There are a few parks down in Bulls Bridge who have just the most beautiful cherry trees and it creates like a blanket of petals that now just is an Instagram ridiculous spot. But <laughs> like photo shoot central you know <laughs> wow I'm, I'm sure we're gonna have so many listeners nicola who feel compelled to visit ireland next year after listening to this and i can include myself in that so is there anything any particular events in 2024 to mark the calendar that listeners can go to so in dublin there's a hotel called the shelburne and next year is its 200th birthday and it, it doesn't sound too exciting to have a hotel but it's played a really intrinsic part in the history of ireland like the Irish constitution was signed there and they have a constitution room where they have like the same chair where it was signed and it played a really vital role in the Easter Rising in 1916 as well so it faces Stephen's Green the park and that was a sort of the epicenter of where a lot of the battles were taking place and the hotel was used by soldiers and they were using it as the sort of the sniping point, I believe. But one of my favorite stories about that is in Stevens Green, in the ponds there, there are ducks that have just been there for years and years. Not the same ones, obviously, I'm pretty sure they're different. <laughs> but the park ranger in Stevens Green, when the war broke out, and it seemed like that was becoming the epicenter, he said, okay, you need to let me into the park every day at noon to feed the ducks. Because the ducks didn't agree to this war and it's not fair that they're being... So yeah, every day at noon, there was like a ceasefire from both sides and the park ranger went in to feed the ducks. So like a mini amnesty just for ducks? Just for the ducks. Incredible. And now, like there are still ducks there, but what you also have, Dublin has particularly violent seagulls that... I've seen them steal food from people's mouths. It's kind of incredible to watch. But now in Stephen's <laughs> Green, they've taken over the duck pond and they pretend to be ducks. So when you see them swimming, you unless you were really looking, 
you would believe that they were ducks. Yeah. So they're swimming around just living a lie, tricking everyone. Having a great diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying all, all the locals. I was going to ask about sport as well quickly because we're, we're recording this while the Rugby World Cup is going on. I think Ireland team are doing very well mm-hmm. or likely to do very well. I was going to ask about hurling as well in terms of like big Irish sporting events. And I think the Irish go mad for sporting events, don't they? The hurling is fascinating because it's the most, like just the most violent sport you could watch. Mm. It's kind of like rugby and hockey and street fighting <laughs> no, mixed together <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's incredible incredible yeah. to watch and the hurls that they use they're made from ash trees um because i interviewed a few guys a few years ago who make it and it's sort of this this skill that's passed down through generations and you need a specific kind of wood to make the hurl and it's you can see the sort of the grain in the wood and yeah, even me interviewing these guys and I was just comparing it to the ones in Harry Potter. It's like, ah, oh, yes, so the, the hurl finds the hurler. And you could see the guy just like, no, not at all. You've got it all wrong. But but yeah, it's incredible. And there's also a place in Dublin where you can go for the day and learn like the basics of hurling and Gaelic football. Okay, I think it's called like, hmm, something Gaelic games. But yeah, it's just outside of the city. So if you wanted to give it a go. But it's also great just to go and watch. And actually, so rugby is taken really seriously here. And I just went to a new in Limerick. It's amazing. It's right in the middle of Limerick. That's a, it's a really sort of cool city, actually. And it's a six-storied building. It's purpose-built. So at the start, you go through and it's sort of the story around rugby around the world in different communities. And it is quite interesting. But when you get to the experience floor, you get to, there's like the interactive spaces around the room. So you're Mm. tested on, now let me get this straight, it was running, strength, kicking, and what's another rugby thing that you have to do? Throwing? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, throwing, throwing. Yeah, Yeah. on the wall, and there are are people at each station to help you. So yeah, so say there's a moving target along the wall, and you have to throw the ball to hit the X, and it's it's all interactive, so they're keeping track of your score, and at the end, it tells you, like, which position you would play. Um... And I am not sporty at all, never played rugby, and it was just incredible. I think the crucial question that every listener wants to know, Nicola, mm-hmm. is what position did it recommend you to play? And are, are you getting ready for your debut on the Irish national team? I kind of assumed that that's what would happen at the end when your score yep. comes up. I can't even remember what position they did, but what's what I, it came up and I said to the guy, like, well, what, what does that mean? And he's like, it's normally, <laughs> normally like a big, sturdy guy who plays that role. <laughs> Not role. <laughs> what are the different like characters in I- rugby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you here, Nicola. I have no idea either. I mean, this is like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> prop. Prop, the, the prop, the prop. Yeah, I know that. I was a yeah, prop. that's one of the big guys. So you're now yeah, a prop. So I- that's ridiculous my strength score was so low that he said later oh like a 78 year old woman came in recently and got the same score as me but so in the kicking one so I did the drop kick so I'd never kicked a rugby ball in my life and then you know the scores come up at the end so you're scored out of 100 so do you want to guess what my score was uh at least 95 right it's gotta be over 90 one (laughs) one (laughs) (laughs) one out of a hundred oh nice okay so yeah 
you might not be making your <laughs> international oh, rugby debut <laughs> I'm guessing that's called the it's the international rugby experience right that's the one so, sorry I was trying to but, subtly google it and I probably just made noise but yeah but it's I was <laughs> I came out afterwards and I was speaking to people and I was like if it could make someone like me who has no interest in rugby this interested in the sport then imagine how fascinating it would be to someone who follows rugby. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm quite interested and I don't really follow rugby that much. Yeah. Apart from, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed that I knew that there was a Rugby World Cup going on, to be honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I knew there was something. Because I did just say, I was like, I thought we just had a Rugby World Cup. Apparently that was something different. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's always something going on. <laughs> but the whole reason for this, this discussion was I was going to say, like, one of the things I've always wanted to go to at Croke Park is the All-Ireland Senior Football sort of final. So that's like the hurling final, basically. And that's mm-hmm. in that's in July, usually, right, I think. Yeah, I think there are two separate dates. I think there's a football and a hurling one. And it shifts out your chances of getting tickets to the All-Ireland uh, slim to none. But the good oh, news is okay. all of the other games, it's not like getting I don't know tickets to Man United or something like it's really it's a really mm. accessible sport and the tickets are really well priced as well which I also love because Croke Park is also an incredible stadium just to be in and you mm. can do the museum is great but you can also do a skyline walk at the top of the arena um, and I think you can do that at sunset as well so um, you go up to the top I think you're sort of harnessed in but there's a walkway all around the top so you get just beautiful views of the city and the mountains and the sea and everything wow okay so managed to bring it back from sport well done. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of final point this season we've been exploring how listeners can support local communities when traveling so if people are planning to travel to ireland what kind of things can listeners think about when they visit that might just benefit locals that little bit more there's, there's one crowd that really come to mind and it's called Secret Street Tours. They are actually, mm. they and they run two different tours in Dublin City and both of which are led by people who've been affected by homelessness, who've been homeless in the city. So they lead tours, one around Smithfield that's just on the north okay. side of the river and one that's in the Liberties where I live and around yeah. this sort of area because this isn't unique to Ireland or Dublin at all. I'm seeing it in sort of every city that I'm traveling to, but homelessness is such a big issue all around the world. Mm -hmm. And to do tours with people who sort of, they weave in the history of the city, but it's mostly about the reality of people who live on these streets. You know, you can be walking through Dublin Castle and beautiful grounds there and people are sleeping rough just on a side street just next to it. And I Mm -hmm. think if you do something like that, and really, really look at what is impacting a city. I think that's a really powerful thing to do. And it's a great, it's a great um, organization to support as well. And I think another thing, again, it's not unique to Dublin, it's not unique to Ireland, but there is a real housing crisis here. So I Mm. would strongly recommend that people stay in, you know, a cool independent hotel or something rather Mm. than like a private rental of a house or an apartment yeah Yeah. it's very contentious it's something that I have strong strong beliefs and strong opinions about and I don't know I think things even may change with how that is organized it's definitely in the works to change yeah um of you know properties having to to register and it not just being sort of free and free for all but you know things that's changed in New York it's changing in Florence it's I think it's going to be introduced in a lot of places but I would say that is one of the best things you can do when you come here is to book your accommodation through a formal organization. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're yeah, supporting Irish jobs in that case as well, as well as like kind of not, yeah. you know, one of the things that we've kind of seen in a lot of big cities is just that kind of inflation of house prices, of people being costed out of, of cities and having to move elsewhere or, or having to rent for longer or even yeah. just having enormous rents and their cost of living being yeah, yeah. really Yeah, and that's, so. that's yeah. been a huge problem in Dublin for a long time, but you just see, I mean... There are so many apartments and houses in Dublin that you can rent or, you know, from from a site like Airbnb or something like that. But if you wanted to rent and live there, there's a handful in comparison. The the, yeah. the difference is just staggering. Yeah. And I, I do believe that will change, but it's something, something that, yeah, is a sort of personal bugbear of mine. And there are also so many, like... Dublin, and it's another issue, but there are loads of hotels popping up all the time. There's no shortage. Mm-hmm. And there are also more formal sort of apart hotels that you can stay in and some really great ones in Dublin as well. So I would encourage people to look at that rather than just instinctively going to the other. Yeah, that's yeah, a really sure. good point. Yeah, finally, Nicola, I just wanted to add another question. I thought you were saying, finally, you've made a good point. <laughs> finally, sorry. <laughs> Oh, we've been waiting for 40 minutes now. Sorry. One good point. Now, <laughs> I just wanted to know because maybe listeners might have heard your Dublin episode from three years ago. But I often think about the Viking that's buried in the middle of Lidl yeah. in Dublin. Is he still there? <laughs> he's still there. They go there oh, all the time. Fantastic. That's my local Lidl. Wow. I mean, not actually. He's not. It's not like a Viking underneath the glass. But... <laughs> Sorry, it's a Viking burial it's sort of like a ruin isn't it underneath there it's not a natural viking (laughs) just knocking but yeah and i still do look down each time there are there are three different sites so yeah if um if you hadn't listened to the episode before this part of dublin is just on sort of a honeycomb of viking architecture so when anyone digs to build they find the most incredible things and I would guess that they just pretend they don't see it a lot of the time, so it doesn't hold up the proceedings. Mm. But when this little popped up, and it was during COVID, so one is like an old living cottage, I think, Mm. like a round fort something. So there are the foundations Mm. for that, and so they have a section of glass floor so you can see it. And the other one is from the 1800s, and it was a stage. So, you know, and and they sort of had a pulley system. So I think they were saying that some Shakespearean plays even would have this sort of entrance point where someone would be pulled in mm. kind of like a pop star mm. rising from the floor today so that's where the tills are so you're standing by the tills <laughs> just waiting and wow. you look down and there's like the brickwork from this original stage and uh yeah it's still there I still love it <laughs> I just had to I just had to bring it up because yeah. as much as I misremember that there was an actual Viking under there but I got I got the extra piece of 18th, <laughs> 19th, 18th century or 19th century staging so there we go something yeah I'm pretty sure it's around that period of time but listener you can hear more about the Viking settlement in the middle of Lidl in our episode from a few years ago on Dublin and actually there was loads of great amazing foodie recommendations in that Dublin episode too so highly recommend you check those out but yeah Nicola thanks so much for joining us it's been wonderful to have you back on the podcast it's been far too long thanks so much for having me hopefully it won't be another three years until yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining Nicola thanks so much guys 
Well, thank you so much to Nicola. That was uh, absolutely fantastic. I feel like Ireland just sounds... I've always known how wonderful it was, but the way that she evokes those kind of landscapes and just the, the beauty of the country, it's made me so desperate to go. And if you did want to follow more of uh, Nicola Brady's work, you can find it at nicolabrady.com because, yeah, she was just a fantastic guest. That was a really great episode. Absolutely. I'd, I'd recommend like following lots of Nicola's work. She writes brilliant pieces about Ireland and elsewhere as well. She's a mm-hmm. really great travel journalist. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, like... Um, I've, I haven't been to Ireland since just before the sort of first lockdown right. and have been itching to go back and itching to explore a bit more as well because I only went to Dublin and like some of the slight outskirts that time and yeah. have just been wanting to see a lot more. So, so many recommendations I on know. this there, so many. Yeah, Nicola did such a good job at um, kind of taking across the whole of the island. So, it's you know, so many kind of obscure recommendations off the beaten track, which just sound brilliant. Yep, so... Brilliant travel writer, terrible rugby player, I think is... <laughs> I think that sounds but, like, true. <laughs> but no, thank you so much to Nicola. And thank you so much, Alex, as well, your hosting debut. It's been great. Thanks again for having me on. So we will take a bit of a short break now with the end of the year. We'll just have our Christmas holidays and be off for a while. But as you know, listener, me and Lucy will be taking a short break, but you will have some of the rest of the team and experts such as Alex kind of seeing you through during that time so bear with us but Mm -hmm. happy new year to everyone and see you next time happy new year all where to go is a podcast from DKR Witness it was produced by Julia Baker presented by Alex Paffey and James Atkinson with the help of Bella Tolbert for more information about DKR Witness follow us on social media at DKR Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness please like and follow the show and if you have time leave a review your support means so much to us Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.